Oh, well, welcome back. For those of you that maybe have been gone for the holidays, for Christmas and for New Year's, it's going to be, uh, I think it's eight years, is that what it is, until that happens again where Christmas and New Year's falls on a Sunday. Uh, we were gone last Sunday and so we uh, were in Sioux Falls for a wedding on New Year's Eve. Uh, some friends of ours got married and our kids were able to be with us and so we all uh, headed to Sioux Falls and uh, left a little bit early to beat the storm that was coming. Um, in fact, we beat it so badly that it didn't make it to Huron for a couple days uh, after that. But Sioux Falls was pretty, pretty crazy in I-90, and so we were glad that we uh, left a little bit early and got everybody home before that started. And so you probably had a chance uh, to maybe see some people that you haven't seen in a while, or uh, maybe you've had a chance to relax or rest a little bit. Maybe you did some traveling, maybe you didn't. Maybe you had a quiet Christmas and uh, Or maybe you just had a, a blue Christmas. Maybe this is the first Christmas without someone you love. And so there's always just a whole host of um, emotions that sometimes come with us on these holiday seasons. And so as we go into this new year, 2023, um, we often talk about like a new year and a new, a new start and we sometimes start new diets or we start new exercise regimes or we start new Bible reading plans because, you know, I'm going to read the Bible this year every day. Um, and a lot of times we're, we're like, I'm going to do a Bible reading plan and I'm going to read through the whole Bible. And we get all the way till about Leviticus. And then we're like, oh my. I don't even know what any of this means. And I'm, I promise you, uh, if you are bored in the book of Leviticus, I have a podcast that I could plug you into uh, that brings the book of Leviticus to life. Our problem is we don't understand what's being communicated in the book of Leviticus. It is not just a bunch of rules that they were supposed to follow. It was the priesthood. The priesthood was supposed to know how to put God on display to be a go-between. And if you don't understand the book of Leviticus, how can we understand how to be a priesthood? I believe there's a connection there. And what we're going to do is, uh, we gave you a Christmas present. If you haven't picked it up yet, um, there's a copy for you out on the table in the back. Um, it's called How Not to Read the Bible. And uh, I have a picture of the book that we'll throw up on the screen. It's called How Not to Read the Bible. And that does not mean we don't want you to read the Bible. Okay? It is a book, it's a tool that is going to help us know how to properly read and interpret the Bible. Um, biblical illiteracy is a problem in the American church. We do not read our Bibles. Um, most Christians, statistically, do not read their Bibles regularly. Those that do, very few of them, have ever read all of the Bible. And even fewer than that ever take time to study the Bible. Does it matter? I mean, is, is there a, a even, it, does it even, do we need to do it? And I want to be careful today as we talk because the last thing I want to do is discourage you from reading the Bible. Um, I want you to read the Bible. I want you to read the Bible even if you only read it once a week. I want you to read, I don't want you to take a step back today, but I do want to try to nudge you forward, if you will. And so the book that I put in your hand, this first section um, that we're going to talk about today, I'm not even going to talk really about much of the book, but in the prelude of this book, he talks about Christians and the problem of Christians being unfamiliar with the Bible. And then how some of them, as they start reading the Bible, they find things in the Bible that they never addressed, that their churches never addressed. They don't know how to handle some of the scriptures that are more difficult to understand. 
And so they misalign the character of God. And many people today are actually walking away from faith because they're reading the Bible. And they're not understanding exactly what it is that they're reading. And so we want to make sure that we correct what some of those passages mean and maybe give you the resources. And so uh, I, I know that overwhelmingly, most of you are going to take that book that I gave you and put it on a shelf somewhere and not really read much of it. I know that. Um, and yet I, I put the book in your hand because uh, I'm an optimist and I believe that it, some of you are going to read it. Some of you are going to pass it on to other people. Some of you are going to glean from it. Now, I don't think that you have to read it all in the month of January. Um, some of you are slow readers and if you just read it at all during this year, that's a win. So I have no expectation for what you're going to do with that book. Uh, I don't think you have to read it all during this sermon series. Uh, we're not going to dig into a lot of the content in the book. That book is meant to be a supplement of a, the things that I'm going to share with you in our services. But in that prelude, he talks about some of those difficult passages and how we should take them and how we should read them. And then part one that really supplements today, I actually preached a sermon back in October when I preached the, the perfect book. Uh, and I, I shared these four main points. And so if you want to throw those four points up on the screen, um, this comes from section one. He says that one, we should never read a Bible verse, or excuse me, one, the Bible is a library, not a book. Okay, this is a library, not a book. If you want to understand that more, you're going to have to go back to the sermon I preached in October or read the book. Um, number two, the Bible was written for us, but not to us. Uh, far too many Christians pick up the Bible and read it as if it was written last week. And we take things and we try to apply them as if it was written to us last week. And it does not mean the same thing in the context that it was written in. And if we don't understand that context, we'll misapply it in our current context. And so we have to do a little bit of digging. Number three, never read a Bible verse. Never read a Bible verse. Just this last week, I started a new Bible reading plan for the year, of course. Brand new year, got to read through the Bible in a year. Um, but in the book of Job, you know our favorite verse in the book of Job? Yet, even though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Oh, praise God. That's a great verse, isn't it? But you know that's only half of the verse? Did you know the second half of the verse is Job arrogantly claiming that he is righteous before God and he has not sinned? So he's saying, even if God, he's questioning the character of God. Even if God slays me, I know I'm innocent. And so I will, I will still praise him and be, I, I will be innocent. Well, that doesn't fit, does it? But we like to pull out the first part of Job without keeping it in the context of the rest of Job. And how does that change what that means? And so we tend to do it with verses like Jeremiah 29, 11. This is a good one if you're a graduate. Uh, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans prosper you and give you a hope and give you a future. Praise God. Put that on your coffee mug and believe it. And I'm not saying that we can't. I'm not saying that we can't take that passage of Scripture and apply it to our lives. But that verse is actually written to the people of God who are being sent into captivity in Babylon. And if you've ever read the book of Jeremiah... All of the prophets of that time are telling the people, do not unpack your suitcases. Do not move in. Do not settle down. God is going to take us back out of Babylon and we are going home. 
all of the prophets except Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the only prophet that is prophesying we are here at the, the hand of God. God sent the Babylonians, as wicked as they are, to bring us into captivity, to teach us a lesson, to show us something about his character. And he says, unpack your bags, plant some gardens, settle down, get married, because you're here for 70 years. He's the only one prophesying that. When we take that verse out of context and we don't understand it, sometimes, I mean, God, God wants to prosper me. He wants to give me a hope in the future. So surely he has a better job in store for me than this crappy job that I have and this idiot boss over here. Sort of like maybe 70 years of captivity might be the plans that he has to prosper you. You see why we don't take a verse and put it on a coffee mug and just make it mean whatever we want it to mean? We have to know the Scripture. And so the question is, do we really need to dig into the Scriptures? Is it okay that, you know, I just read a, a, a version Bible reading plan where, uh, you know, whatever topic I'm struggling with that day uh, or that week, I'm, is it okay that I only read the Gospels or only read the New Testament? I don't understand the book of Leviticus. I don't understand the prophets. So why should I read any of that anyway? Does it even matter? And I say a resounding yes. Yes. The title of the sermon today I've called Discover Wholeness. Discover Wholeness. Because I believe we as the people of God need to get better at studying the whole Bible. And I believe that process of discovery is important. We've talked a lot over the years about the difference between Eastern thinking and Western thinking. Easterners want to discover. When you, if you're, if you're trying to think like an Easterner, um, you don't want to just be told information. You don't want to go sit in a classroom where somebody puts bullet points up and you just go through boom, 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 boom. You want to discover. You want. You know that through the process of discovery, one, the information you learn is actually going to get deeper into you, and you don't want it to just be dispensed like a candy machine. But Americans, we're a little bit lazier. So, Pastor Tom, just tell me what I need to know. But God wants the discovery to be a part of the process. See, rabbis, back in the the time the Bible was written, wouldn't just come out and tell you, why did Jesus talk in parables? Because he wanted people to dig. He could have just come flat out, black and white, here it is. You want to know the truth? Here's the truth. He didn't. He spoke to the people in parables because he wanted people to say, hmm, i got to dig for that. i got to go into that. I've got to find out what the, the, the process of, the, of what's being told to me in this story. We refer to the period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between the book of Chronicles and the book of Matthew. We refer to that as the silent period. But can I tell you it's not silent. There's a whole lot happening in the silent period. The people of Israel have come, and I know that I didn't say Malachi, I said Chronicles, because the end of the Hebrew Scriptures actually ends with what we believe is the oldest book of the the Old Testament, which is Chronicles, which ends with a promise of hope and blessing that God is going to restore the fortunes of his people. Um, Malachi kind of ends with a, a, a... curse and a judgment that's coming on the earth. And so uh, why we, when we put together our scriptures, decided to take the scriptures that actually Jesus himself had, the Hebrew scriptures, and change the order, I don't understand. Uh, I don't know. But I, I prefer actually to, 
to look at it that way. And so between the book of Chronicles, which was kind of like them coming out of captivity and stepping back from all that had happened throughout history, and it's almost like a documentary. So when you read Samuel and Kings, what you're reading is like you're reading the newspaper. This is the events that happen. But when you read the book of Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, you're actually reading like, a doc, like us watching a documentary on Pearl Harbor. Okay, so what you would have read when Pearl Harbor actually happened in the newspaper is a little different than the documentary that you would watch today. And so take note of that when you read, and there's a little bit of a different slant in Chronicles than sometimes there's in Samuel and Kings. That's why. Because with the benefit of hindsight and them looking back, Ezra writes the book of Chronicles and he talks about what they should learn about why they went into captivity. And when the people of God come out of captivity, they're like, we need to be people of the text. We've got to understand this book. We need to make sure we don't deviate from it again. And so what happens is they start sending their kids to school to memorize the the Scripture. They memorize the first five books of the Bible. By age eight years old, they have memorized the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Because they want to be a people that have the Word of God in them, the Scriptures, okay? Then they would go on from that school and they would study all of the prophets and they'd begin to commit that to memory. So much so that the rabbi would stand up and he would begin to to quote anywhere in the Scripture. And he would stop and he would call you out and you would stand up and have to instantly begin to pick up where he left off. That's a knowledge of the Scriptures that I guarantee you we don't have. And they didn't have chapters and verses. Why is that important? Well, because the Jews, the Hebrews at this time, the the way of interpreting Scripture is called the Jewish hermeneutic. That word hermeneutic just means to understand the Scriptures. And I've shared this before, but I want to put them up there. There's four words. When you read the Bible, there's four different levels of reading that can take place. The first level is the Peshat level. For the Hebrew, that's a Hebrew word, peshat. It just means surface level. That means you can read the Bible and you can hear the parables of Jesus or you can read the scriptures and on the surface level, very devotional, it can speak to you. It can give you something to take home, if you will. The second level is called remez. And the word remez means there's a text within the text. And I don't know if you've ever noticed in your Bible, there's references to like other passages most of the time in the Old Testament. And what you have to understand is they're not just referencing that verse. They're referencing the entire context that that verse comes out of. And so if you want to understand what Jesus is saying in his parables, you have to go back to the Old Testament to what's being referenced. And you have to take what he's referencing there and bring it into that that passage. Already, some of you, your eyes are glazing over and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even want to do that. But we need to. How can we, oh, but Pastor Tom, we just have the Holy Spirit today. So did the disciples in the early church. And this is the commitment level they still had to the Scriptures. Look at the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans and how many times he references Old Testament Scriptures. We'll get to some Scriptures in a second, just hang on. Then there's this drosh. The drosh is the hidden meaning of the the story or the passage of Scripture, and it's unlocked by the remez. 
In other words, once you go through and you pull out the remez, then you get the, the, the meaning, the point behind the parable. I think a lot of the parables of Jesus, we misinterpret because we don't go back into them the way that we should. Now, with all of the resources available, you don't have to sit down with 17 different texts and books and try to do this. You've got people that have done this for you and actually just tell you what it is. They'll actually take you back, but you still have to apply yourself to it. And you still have to learn to do it on your own. Then there's a fourth level, and that fourth level is called the sowed level, and that's the mystery level. That's where there's something supernaturally discerned from the text. And we, especially as Pentecostals, we love the sowed level. I mean, we just love, hey, the Holy Spirit pulled this verse out, and He spoke it over my life. Great. Okay. That's still Peshat level. The only way you get to sowed level, true mystery or revelation, is by going through all four of those. See, you don't just get to pull out what the, that scripture means to you and just decide that that's what that means to me. Well, that's what that verse means to me. That's what it says to me. Because what happens is then we begin to twist the character and the nature of God into a God that gives us what we want. A God of our own making, a God of our own desires. We've done that a lot in the American church. The American church is very selfish, it's very greedy, it's very apathetic, and it doesn't really line up with the full character of God that we see in the Scripture. Now, the church around the world has their own problems, okay? But we're not around the world, so we're not going to deal with their problems. We're going to deal with some of our problems. And I think the process of digging into the Scripture creates not only... Uh, a discovery, a journey, if you will, but it creates a wholeness in our lives. Let me tell you this. Studying the Scripture in the wholeness type of mentality that I'm talking about, it's not about getting information. I think as we set ourselves to search the Scriptures in this manner, we may not even understand it all up here. But when you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. Not when you, you know, casually every once in a while open up the YouVersion Bible reading app and read a couple verses. That's not whole heart seeking. Whole heart seeking is I want to go deeper. I'm not content to say that I've never read the entire scripture. I'm not content to never go back and look at some of the things that are referenced. Because here, oh, Pastor Tom, I don't have time for that. But we have time to watch countless uh, television shows. We have time to watch three-hour football games, game after game after game after game, or hockey game, or whatever else we want to watch. We have time to entertain ourselves out the, the wazoo, but we don't have time to dig into the scripture. We don't have time. We have time. We just don't have the desire. And we treat the Scripture a lot like we treat a Tylenol bottle. When I have a headache or when I have body aches from a cold, I'll take some ibuprofen because it makes me feel better. It really doesn't do anything to what I'm dealing with. I mean, it doesn't fix anything. It just takes away the symptoms. And that's how a lot of us, we read the Scripture in just that same way. We pop a verse here and there that makes us feel better or maybe deals with some of the symptoms in our lives, but it never gets us to a place of wholeness. It never gets us into a place where it's deep enough to actually begin to restore us in the way that I think it's meant to. There's nothing wrong with taking Tylenol or ibuprofen. There's nothing wrong with doing topical Bible reading plans and, and reading s certain scriptures. And, and There's nothing wrong with it. Please don't stop doing that because of what I say today. 
But don't stop there. You've got to go deeper into the study of Scripture. If we are going to stand firm in the last days, in the last days terrible times will come. Deception is going to be rampant. And a people who do not know the Scriptures will be easily led astray. I promise you, it doesn't take long to search the internet and find five different opinions about one verse of Scripture. At least five. Whose is the right one? Well, the one that maybe resonates best with you? The one that feels good to you? Do you have enough knowledge of the entire Bible? Do you have a core group of people that you are really connected with called the church? So that you're not led astray by your own desires? Oh, but, but Pastor Tom, I know what that means. Do you know? Sometimes I don't even know if I know. And I've been doing this a long time. In fact, I get, time, I get paid to do it. So I get time in my work day to do it. And sometimes I even wonder. And I need connection with other believers to begin to wrestle with, to make sure that I don't do it. See, if I go to the doctor and the doctor tells me, hey, uh, you need to maybe make a change to your diet. You need to maybe make a change to your lifestyle. And I, I really want you to get healthy. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you this, this prescription that's going to help deal with some of your symptoms. And it's going to help you as you make changes that you need to make. I start taking the prescription and voila, I start feeling better. Like, I don't need to make those changes because I feel better now. So I go back to my doctor and I say, Doc, I know you told me I needed to change my diet, but I tried some of that other food and it just didn't taste good. And then I craved like all of the foods that I used to eat. So, uh, and, the, and the pills, they were making me feel better. Is that a little foolish? And yet that's what we do to the scripture. Pastor Tom, I tried reading a Bible reading plan all the way through one time and I just, that's just not who I am. I, I began to crave like just the, the, the quick verses that really gave me a lift. And so we give up because it's hard. In Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Did you ever notice that? There's more than one kind of prayer. What, what kind of prayers are they? Is he talking about individual prayer or corporate prayer? Is he talking about scheduled times of prayer or an impromptu prayer? Is he talking about praying in a language you know and a language you don't know? Here's what I know. There are some types of prayer that are, are, that are energizing to me. There are types of prayer that I enjoy doing. And then there's types of prayer that I really don't enjoy doing. But I do anyway because I know that they bring the kingdom. I would say it's the same thing for studying the Scripture. It doesn't matter whether it energizes me or I feel anything or even I understand the information going into my brain. I promise you there are times in my life where I have studied things and studied things and studied things and like five or six years down the road, all of a sudden a connection is made in a conversation with someone and they're like, wow, where did that come from? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. It's like all of a sudden it clicked in my head. So when we read the verse of Scripture that says, hey, don't worry about what you're going to say on the day you're arrested. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Can I tell you the Holy Spirit needs something to draw from? Don't read that as a lazy Pentecostal Christian that all i got to do is trust the Holy Spirit and He's going to miraculously provide me with something that I didn't turn off the television for 10 minutes and really dig in and study. 
Now, here's the thing. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is very, very gracious. He's far more merciful and gracious than me, and sometimes he might do that. Sometimes in our laziness, he actually provides us with stuff that we didn't put in. Promise you, he will. That doesn't mean that's what his best is for us. He wants us to dig. Let me show you. We're going to skip Matthew chapter 5. I want to go to Luke 24. Luke 24, verses 25 through 27. Jesus is walking with two disciples after his resurrection. They don't recognize him. They don't know he's been risen from the dead yet. Um, They're still trying to discern it. They're on the way to, to Emmaus. And he says to them, you foolish people, how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. He doesn't say, how slow of heart to believe the Gospels. They don't have the Gospels yet. How slow of heart to believe the, all of the New Testament epistles. How slow of heart to, re, to believe all that the prophets, you know those books that we skip over? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. We read a couple chapters in Isaiah and we're like, I don't have a clue what's happening here. And we're okay with it. We just move on. And I I, I hope today I get you to the place where you're like, I'm just not going to be okay with that anymore. I'm going to slow down. I don't care if I get through the Bible in a year. I want to find out what I need to know here. How slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and all the prophets, Samuel, Kings, Ezra, Nehemiah, all of these that follow, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, he interpreted to them the things written about himself in the scriptures. Jesus himself took the Hebrew scriptures, what we refer to as the Old Testament, and he showed them everything they said about him. But we have the New Testament. I love the New Testament. New Testament's super important. Absolutely important. Absolutely important. But I don't think we can fully understand the New Testament if we don't understand the Old Testament. The New Testament was written to a people that for the most part had the the Old Testament memorized. They knew it. They understood it. Now, they didn't understand it all. That's why Jesus showed up and brought all of them that thought they had the, the right interpretation around his table and said, really, none of you are right, but let me show you the way. Let me show you how to properly interpret what has been here from the beginning. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is writing to young Timothy who's pastoring a church, and he said, this is a trustworthy saying. This is a little bit of context here. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we're unfaithful, (laughs) he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. I love that. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Now, you've got to understand, we've talked about this before. When Jesus tells them about binding and loosing in the New Testament, the process of binding and loosing for the Hebrews was that they would wrestle with the Scripture to come to a a fuller understanding of what it meant. Um, In fact, they would get in such heated conversations about the Scripture that spit would fly. Um, because they wanted to come, not because they didn't like each other, but because they wanted to come to a knowledge of the truth. So they would push on each other because that's how they felt you dug into the Scripture to study it. So he's not saying, don't have a discussion about things, don't dig deeper into it, don't try to find out what the original languages mean. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, don't be one of those people that that are divided over the text. 
one of those people that think your way is always the right way. You have the right interpretation of every passage of Scripture because here's the truth. There's not a human being on the planet today that has every, under, every doctrine in their lives correctly right. There's not one. Okay? But a lot of us walk around like we do. And so we don't listen to other people or when people push back on us, we, we're like, no, 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 I know what's right. Hmm. The moment you start digging in your heels that you know what's right and you don't listen to people outside of your circle. Now again, we want it to be people we recognize. We're going to get to that here in, in Paul's words to Timothy. But we have to make sure that we don't let the knowledge we have puff us up to the point of a pride, a prideful arrogance that we know the right way. I, I promise you this. Just start listening to some pastors that aren't American. It'll change everything for you. Listen to people around the world and their interpretation of Scripture, and it won't take you long before you realize that our arrogance as Americans has skewed our interpretation of some of the Scriptures. There is a lot we have to learn from brothers and sisters around the world. Just do that, and that'll begin to change your perspective. Now, you've got to be careful who you pick and choose. And you want to find someone that you can trust. But I promise you there are people in our body that listen to pastors that you can trust. And you say, hey, Pastor Tom, give me the name of one of them and I'll, 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 I'll plug you in. Trust me. And if not, then I'll, I'll take my Canadian friend and he'll plug you in because he knows a lot more. And I love listening to these men and women of faith around the world and what they're showing me that I don't know. So the Apostle Paul says stop arguing, having these words where we're, we're certain of our rightness, if you will, and you come together in, and you wrestle with the Scripture still. Because then look at what he says in verse 5. Work hard. The King James uses the word study here. That word literally means to be diligent to cut straight or to make every effort to present yourself to God and receive His approval. A good worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. He doesn't say, you know, just casually pick up the Scripture. Work hard, study, be diligent to cut straight. You're not going to do this just haphazardly or randomly. It's going to take effort on our part. It's going to take connection with other people in the body People that are not like us. People that don't process things like that. People that maybe have a different background than us. People that help us dig into the Scriptures to see things that we can't see because of our own flaws and sometimes our own arrogant personalities. We need one another in the body of Christ. I have a group of people that are from different churches and different communities that on Thursday nights... Uh, we listen to a podcast together, study the scriptures together, and we, we wrestle with each of those podcast episodes. And so we do it on Zoom. And um, one of them, just recently this past year, said, I have such a hard time sitting in church right now because my pastor, man, he, anytime a, a sermon is preached out of context, like I just have a hard time with that. And I kind of chuckled because I said, I've been there. And they're like, well, what do, you, what do you mean? I said, well, here's the thing. Like, the more I begin to study some of these things about Scripture, the more arrogant 
I became. And so anytime I would hear someone that would deviate from what I knew, then I would be like, oh, man, they need to really study this or they need to really study that. And the Holy Spirit came alongside. And this is what I told them that day. I believe God can speak and change someone's life through a sermon that is entirely out of context. I believe he can. Do you know how I know that? Because he's done it in my own life. He has. He has spoken to me through people that the sermon, I'm like, man, that was hermeneutically the worst sermon I've ever heard in my entire life. But it was so profound. And God used it to change my life. And I know that I have preached messages that now I look back on and I'm like, I didn't even know what I was talking about when I preached that sermon. I pity the people that had to listen to that. That was you. But God used it to change people's lives. See, this idea that we have to have all of our theology absolutely perfect and correct in order to to glean anything from someone, we are in a culture right now, Christian culture, where we're very dismissive of anyone who says anything that's even remotely outside of what we believe. I think that's the doctrines of demons. I think that's a divisive way in the body of Christ. And it's based on this fear that we're going to misinterpret the Scripture. We're not going to do that. We need to come together in the body of Christ and study the Scriptures in a more full and complete way. Paul goes on, Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles... By the way, that just means you can't just study the Word. You actually have to do what it says. Most of our problem in our American culture is not the parts of the Scripture that we know or don't know. It's the parts of the Scripture that we don't know or that we do know and don't apply. I think it was Mark Twain that actually said that. Mark Twain said, my problem is not the parts of the Scripture I don't understand. It's what I do understand that troubles me. And so Paul, I don't want to be dismissive of it, but he says you you have to turn away from wickedness. If you study the Word, you've got to do what it says. Then he goes on and says, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments of special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth, that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So, we have to have obedience. We have to dig into the Scripture. We have to, to, to work hard to make sure that we're cutting straight, that we know the book, that we're, all of the Scripture is a part of us, and that we stay gentle with our opponents. One last passage of Scripture from 2 Timothy chapter 3. goes right along with this. Paul's still writing to Timothy. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, my persecutions, my sufferings, what kind of these things have happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. In other words, you know me, Timothy. You know me well. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Stop being shocked by it. Stop acting like we're going to be the exception. I'm not saying, you know, we just we have to lay down and let people walk all over us. But for goodness sake, stop acting like a victim. American church, it's time to just realize that none of us are really being persecuted. 
Let me introduce you to Voice of the Martyrs and people that are actually being displaced from their homes and their lives are actually on the line. More people this year or this last year were, um, were killed for their faith than at any other point in history. People are giving their lives for the sake of the gospel. Persecution is, is okay, but we still remain gentle with our persecutors. It's the kingdom. Evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Can I tell you, there are deceptions coming on the world, and if we are not a people that dig into this book, we run the risk of being deceived. If we're not a people that get closer and more connected to one another, we run the risk of being deceived. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it. Don't just go on the internet and, and just find something that you want to believe and go with it. Make sure you know those people. Make sure you know the character of those people. Make sure you know a real flesh and blood person that's involved in their life. Because if, the, if you don't know the fruit, the character of their life, don't listen to their teaching. Okay? Be careful where you get your information. That's very important. The Apostle Paul says, you know me, so you can trust me. You know from infancy how you have known the Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures. What's he referring to? The Old Testament. They are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. They're able to make you wise. The Old Testament is able to make you wise for salvation in Jesus Christ. Do you, do you understand that? That word salvation is the word wholeness. It's able to make you whole. All Scripture, verse 16, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture. When Paul writes that, the only Scripture is what we have in our Bible from Genesis to Malachi. That's it. And that alone is able to correct us and rebuke us and train us and get us to the place where we're thoroughly equipped. But not if we're not reading it and studying it and memorizing it and meditating on it. That's how it does it. That's what the Apostle Paul is writing to young Timothy, who's already known the Scriptures from infancy, but yet he can still be corrected by it. He can still be rebuked by it. When is the last time you or I had, had, had our theology corrected? When is the last time that we wrestled with something and we're like, maybe I don't have the right answer on that. Maybe I need to, to listen to someone and not talk so much. Maybe I need to, to find someone to really dig into it and pray with me about it. And so in this year ahead, this is my hope. My hope for this, this church and this body is that we go beyond surface level that we go a little bit deeper than maybe we've done before. There are resources galore out there. Some of my favorites that I believe you can't go wrong with. One is the Bible Project. Can you throw up the picture of a, the Bible reading plan from the Bible Project? The Bible Project has what they call storyline Bible reading plans that you can do, where you can go through the entire Bible and they teach you what we need to know and what this verse means and why this passage and what some of the, the nuances are that are happening in the culture so that we understand it more fully. Uh, the second one, you see that little box up in the corner? That's the Bible Project. So you know, if you see that little box, that's the Bible Project. Everything they say isn't correct. I know that because nobody has all correct 
answers. But you can trust them. A lot of what they're saying is going to help us understand the Scripture in a deeper way. Personally, I've started a Bible reading plan this year called the Bible Recap. Can you throw up that picture? This is a lady by the name of Tara Lee Coble. I don't know much about her, but I have at least a dozen friends that have read through her Bible reading plans. And so every day, she gives you something to read in the Bible, and then she does a short five, six-minute podcast to kind of unpack what that passage or those passages mean for us today. There are all kinds of resources out there to help you start in this process, to, to dig deeper. And the thing is, is every person is going to be different. It's going to resonate with someone differently. Uh, this one isn't really my favorite. I don't like her that all that much, but I'm going to keep going with it because I always like resources so that when people come to me all the time, people come to me and say, Pastor Tom, please help me find a Bible reading plan where I can go through the whole Bible. That was sarcasm. Um, but I want to have resources that I can give to people when they say, I want to go deeper. Where do I go? What do I find? How do I do this? How do I study? I don't want to just be someone that has a little bit of the answers. I don't want to be someone that just pop in Tylenol here and there so I feel better about myself. I want to go deeper. I want to search with my whole heart. I want to dig into the scripture. I want to actually pick up the Bible more than one time a day. I want to use it instead of going home this afternoon and, and I shouldn't do this on the last week of the NFL season. Uh, I sh instead of going home today and sitting on the couch and throwing the game on the TV and relaxing, I actually want to open up my Bible and I want to go over the, the passages of Scripture, Pastor, that you shared today, and I want to make sure that you use them correctly. I want to make sure that, they, that, they, that I didn't miss something because I dozed off because you went so long today. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm really getting it deep inside of me. And I promise you, you may not be able to walk away and articulate all kinds of stuff and say, oh, what did the pastor preach today? Or uh, what, what, what did you read today in your message? I don't know if you've ever done that where someone has asked you like right after service or right after you've read the Bible what you learned and you're like, oh, da, 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 I don't know. I promise you it's not a waste of time. If you just keep digging, it's getting in there. And there will come a time, and you won't always feel like it, and you don't always feel blessed by it. And so that's why you still have to read some version plans that are like ibuprofen. That's why you still need to listen to some worship music that maybe is just going to lift your spirit for a short time. You still need those things. Just don't stop there. Dig a little deeper. And that's my challenge for us this year. And so, Father... I thank you for your word that you've given to us. God, I thank you that you have made yourself known to us through not just your son, Jesus, but through the written record of people that have walked with you from the time the world was created until the time it, it's going to end in the book of Revelation and the new heaven and the new earth is going to come. And God, I just pray in this year ahead that we would be a people that are not content, that are not content to, to, to stay where we've been before. God, that we will be students of your word, that we will dig into the scriptures, that we will find a group of people to study it with, that we will find a Bible reading plan that's going to make, make us wrestle with some things that maybe we've never read before. God, that we would not be lazy or apathetic towards your word in this year ahead. God, that we would not allow ourselves to be biblically illiterate, but that we will dig into the scriptures like never before. God, I pray for every person that's listening to this message today. I pray that this week will not go by before we make a change. Before we make a change to the amount of time we spend in the Word, to maybe even just scheduling a time where we're in the Word every day. God, where a time this week we actually pick up the Word instead of our phones.
where we actually pick up a, 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 a plan that's going to actually force us to deal with some things that maybe we've never dealt with before. God, that we would pick up the phone and call someone and say, hey, would you, would you go through a Bible reading plan with me this year? God, for those that feel disconnected from others in this body, God, that we would not allow what we feel to keep us from doing what is right. And so I pray, God, in this week ahead that there would be a change in each and every one of our lives when it comes to being students of your word. God, help us not to try to make too many changes. Holy Spirit, guide us this week. Help us to know that one step that we need to take to move beyond where we've been before so that in this year ahead, we become better students of your word. Holy Spirit, make it come alive to us in a way we've never seen before. I want to give you just a moment to think about what the Holy Spirit is going to ask of you this week. I don't know what your level of Bible reading already entails. If you're here today and you don't read it every day, Maybe that's where you need to start. You need to start with just picking it up every single day and doing something. Maybe you're someone that you, you read it and you study it, and maybe you need to take a step to start memorizing some of the Word. This morning as we were praying, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was leaning on things that He has spoken to us in the past that we've walked away from. So maybe there was a time when maybe the Holy Spirit stirred your heart to study the Word or maybe you have a, a study tool at home or a book or maybe you were, had a, a memorization process that was started that you've walked away from. And I believe the Holy Spirit is here today to just breathe on that and bring it back to life. He's not here to condemn you and be like, you know, I told you to do this and you're not doing it. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here today to say, hey, Remember back when I, I shared, remember when I led you to buy that thing or that resource or that, that group of people that you were going to do this with? You need to bring that back. You need to bring it back. And you need to acknowledge that you left it. You need to say, yeah, I, I, I let myself get lazy. Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. I need, I need grace to pick that thing back up again and to start walking. And so I know that everyone that's here today is going to be at a different place in a different level. What's the Holy Spirit want you to do? Maybe He wants you to connect with another believer. And maybe not someone that you already know well that's just going to interpret all of the Scripture the exact way you will. Maybe it's going to be someone that's going to, to push you to really dig in and know what the Scriptures are saying, what the Scriptures are teaching. We're going to dig in a little bit more to some of these passages as we go through the remainder of this series and this book. But here's the thing. You're not going to become a scholar overnight. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Listen for the Holy Spirit to give you that one thing you need to do and then take that step. And so, Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you be really clear with us today. What's that one step that we need to take, each of us, to become a better student of your word in this year ahead? And then give us the grace to walk that out this week ahead, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
All right, thank you guys for being here today. Uh, I want to encourage you, again, stop by the table before you leave. Um, offering baskets are out there, but calendars are there as well. If you have not picked up a copy of your book, it is out there as well before you leave today. Uh, God bless you as you go, and don't forget to pick up your kids before you go as well.